Do you, do you know what Miguel Velez's campaign, what his his biggest promise to New York is? <laughs> and what do you, what do you think? Unlimited Miguel, rice and beans for what everyone. Do you think, what do you think Miguel's number one campaign promise is? Arroz con pollo for all. Is it chocha? Chocha. <laughs> <laughs> To be continued, a fanboy podcast. Please follow us on Twitter and Facebook. You can also catch us on the various platforms such as iTunes, TuneIn, Stitcher, and to be continued, a fanboypodcast.com. Don't forget to like and subscribe. To be continued is an adult podcast for adults by adults. We may talk about superheroes, sci-fi, comic books, and all sorts of similar crap like that, but we may use adult and frank language when we do so. This is not a podcast for kids, brothers and sisters. Enjoy. Welcome back. This is To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. Covering your fanboy passions. If you're tuning in, you're not going to learn anything, but... You just might have some fun. You might have some We learned that Miguel Velez <laughs> learned his Spanish from watching SNL. That's what we did learn. <laughs> Ed, you were going to set this. See, you're, you're like, oh, let's start this. Let's do this now. All right. When there's so much, we've got real life crime drama. We've got bad accents. We've got Spanish food. <laughs> and you expect me to just wrap all this up for the audience, don't you? Guess it's problema. If you can hear right now, I'm chewing on a big, big a chuleta. Un chuleta, which I'm not supposed to have. I have gout, so I'm not supposed to have yeah. pork. But oh man, is this is a chuleta. El señor tiene el gout. Got that señor problema. This is to be continued, a fanboy podcast. Para pierna. We cover your fanboy passions. As always, we come out of Jonathan Vergara's wonderfully equipped Pancake Studios from the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, yes. And I'm, as always, I'm Miguel Velez, your host, joined by... Senor Eduardo Ing. <laughs> you know it's, you Get know out of here, you know that's Japanese. Crazy, you know what's crazy is that me and Miguel are actually Spanish, but uh, Ed puts us to shame. It, with his actual <laughs> mastery his actual, of the Spanish language. Yeah. <laughs> I would starve no, 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 no. in a Spanish language country, John. I, I, mm-hmm. there's no, I could maybe get rice and beans and water. Agua, por favor. Yeah, seriously, that's about it. That is about it. That is about it. Agua. Well, I don't know how to start this show, honestly, because here's the truth. This is an action-packed show. In more ways than one. Well, look, look, look. Before we get into it, can I just wish everyone a happy summer? Okay. Okay. This is is our first summer episode that we're going into. School is going to be done soon here at New York. When did Ed become a Wiccan? (laughs) I would like to grant you all a most joyous solstice. (laughs) May may all the pagan gods be with you and find your summer fruitful and fertile. A Wiccan that believes in Jesus. That's that's something. For when the winter and fall comes. (laughs) Wicked Jesus. Wiccan Jesus, why not? Wiccan Jesus. Wiccan, I, why not? Nah, just, it writes itself. It writes itself. Wiccan, Wiccan Jesus. Wiccan Jesus. Hold on. Uh, I th- uh, Wiccan Jesus is about a guy who is like a singer-songwriter. A he's like kind of in, in the folk. He's like a folk. Yeah, well, he could be Irish. Yeah, he's like. And I have Neil Diamond already in my head. 
Um, no. Uh, how about he is a Neil Diamond type that is now eking out a living in the folk scene? All right. Jim Krause. Jim Krause. Um, no, I'm going American doing a bad uh, British, uh, Irish type accent, so... American doing it I, bad. You, I would normally, you would go Farrell. Farrell's getting too old. We switch gears to Hater. Okay. It's Bill Hater, and here's the thing is, he's he's kind of like, he's not doesn't really believe in all that wicked nonsense. And he used to be an assassin. <laughs> no, and, and uh, now you're just taking uh, from his uh, old stuff. Uh, no berries. <laughs> so, but no, it's like he is, he's faking his belief in Wiccan. And he becomes like he releases one like album that makes him the number one like folk Wiccan like guy in the world, and now people are holding on to his every word because they think he's a. They believe that he is the he is the. Hey, don't you like the chosen one of some kind of prophecy? He did it as a joke, but he becomes unwittingly like a cult leader. More or less, that that's Uh, kind of what it is, and they're like this album that I just released. (laughs) Jesus is my (laughs) co-pilot. But anyway, all right. See, we got on track like a billion ways already. All right. Now, I I would just like to preface this all with uh, this is our first show that we're doing post a violent encounter I had on the subways of New York City. You're going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to it. Get it out of the way early. What do you you want to save that for the end? (laughs) And by the way, you know, you got to tune in because Miguel's going to give you this. Grand old tale about a subway mugging. No, um, this is our first show back after I was attacked two Saturdays ago uh, in the New York City subway system. Now, I was at Barclays Center uh, getting a transfer from the local to the D train going into the city as I do every single night, five days a week, uh, to Soho where I work uh, as a concierge overnight. Now, I'm going to preface this tale with my sense of what the city is now. Anyone who's watching the news recently, um, it doesn't necessarily have to even be New York City. I mean, people across the country are feeling that there's been an uptick in crime. And this is connected to what the upheavals we felt last summer, in my opinion. During the entirety of lockdown, I do not sense that the city felt overly dangerous. It was eerie. It was somewhat scary. And you gotta remember, I'm going at night, you know, 10 o'clock after, you know, a quarter after, a quarter a quarter to 10 to 10 o'clock is when I'm leaving my place to go to, you know, take the subway to do my job. I did that all throughout lockdown, and I can't say that I felt particularly endangered or scared. Uh, you know, yes, there was a sense of the streets are empty, there are less cops, there are less MTA employees, but there wasn't a palpable sense of at any point in time. And during that period, I was the first to tell people to, to keep safe because there were less cops on the streets, because the streets were empty. I told every woman I knew at that point, I said, look, seven, seven o'clock comes, get off the streets because there's not going to be anybody out there. There's not going to be fewer cops. You're not going to... But eventually you just get into the groove where it's like, okay, this is life. We're, we're in lockdown and I'm going to work and, you know, the s- streets are basically empty. The subways are basically empty. But I didn't feel overly scared. It has been in the post-opening period that the city has started to feel unwieldy in terms of crime and violent crime, okay? Um, which doesn't make any sense because, of course... During lockdown, you would imagine more people would be prone to crime because no one was working. 
Why is it that even though we are opening up, suddenly it seems like violent crime is everywhere to be seen? I have an opinion on that, but I'm going to share with after I tell my story of what happened to me. I'm on the Barclay Center D-Train Manhattan-bound track. This is a large hub within the city. And for those that don't know, Barclay Center is one of the largest uh, MTA hubs in Brooklyn. Yeah. And probably comparable to Grand Central. It's you know, a like it's shopping area. It is a Long sports Island Railroad, area. Long Island Railroad. Uh, a bunch of connecting trains and the mall. All yeah. right there. And this was Saturday night. This was not late at night. This Two weeks was ago. literally 10.39 in the PM. How do I know that? I was literally looking down the tunnel. And people are out on Saturday. Yeah. This was not an empty platform either yeah. at the time. And I'm looking down the tunnel. I had just come from the center of the platform to see what the scheduling was, right? It was the next arriving train. They said it would be a D train in three minutes. Okay. It surprised me, but this happens sometimes with the system, where the train that was coming into this tunnel as I was looking down was a local train. It wasn't the D train that I wanted. So I immediately went to look at my phone to check the time. Saw that it was 10.39. I was wearing a satchel, which I normally wear cross-strapped across me. Uh, I put my phone back in my satchel. I turned to look further up the platform, or at least turn for whatever reason I was turning. And there was this guy already there, already in my space. He must have been literally behind me. And he does something, motions something to his hands. These guys tend to like do a motion where they're asking for the time. I didn't even register at the time. I was just, I don't know what you're doing with your hands. Looked up and I was like, can I help you? And then as soon as I got that out of my mouth, boom, he went and decided he was going to punch me. There was no interaction with this gentleman before. There was no me noticing him. There was no, it was literally just, he came behind me, saw that my back was turned, came behind me, decided he was going to punch me. Now, had I been someone else, had I been an older person, had I been of a different sex, had I been of a different body size, it's very possible maybe this could have dropped someone, okay? Um, but this may have dropped me only as short as last year if I hadn't gotten back into my martial arts training. But... For whatever reason, this guy hit me. He hit me probably with all that he had. And he hit me in a certain way in an angle that uh, the guys in the studio now will tell you I've got a nice little black shiner underneath, you know, my, uh, my right eye. It didn't do anything. It didn't make my record skip all that much. It didn't make me super fuzzy. It just sort of like, ow, okay, I guess we're in a fight. That really was literally what it was. That was the bell ringing. It was, it's like, okay, oh, 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 we're doing this. I guess we're doing this now. And which was sort of step-by-step step how this experience was in terms of me employing my martial arts. It really, I go, well, I guess we're doing this now. Um, so he punches me. I actually was armed. I had, as the guys know, I, I walk with one callus stick and one little short little wooden uh, sword to my job, and it, which I was doing because... The subways were empty and there were nobody on the trains and you're alone at night. Are oh, you twirling? You admit you I'm um no, but I was I just had him in my hand. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Okay, so when he hits me, the stick goes out of my hand, but I retain like the little wooden sword, okay. right? So he hits me and my hand released its grips for a little <laughs> stick goes flying. I ha still had the wooden sword. I Come back from the punch, and I'm walking towards him. I try and do these, these like, like little light jabs with mm -hmm, the sword, mm -hmm. and he keeps circling around. I do like two of those, and do not ask me why, which is why I will say, 
there's uh, I like to term I've kind of gone through this in my head. I've termed it self-defense fails martial arts success. <laughs> On many steps, this was a self-defense fail. I let the guy get you know you know, but understandable. They were kind of like, okay, that guy just appeared out of nowhere. I don't know, you know, you can't be on all the time Think in, in microseconds. This was a microseconds kind of situation. So I make those two couple of stabs. He keeps circling away from them. I don't know why. I literally just go, this isn't going to do me any good. I don't know why. It should have. I should have lit him up with some, with some hits from, from the wood sword, but I literally just throw it behind me and put my hands up and he comes in real close. We do a little bit of a scrum moving, you know, basically, you know, he's, he's trying to punch. I'm trying to stop his punch. Just a, you know, a little bit of that. And then he goes for a big old half-ass guillotine. While I think if I'm remembering correctly, him trying to like pull me down to the ground. Now, as soon as I saw that wrist in the corner of my eye, his hand in his wrist, in the corner of my eye, I grabbed it with my uh, left hand. And I, again, literally my mind went, Okay, I guess we're doing jujitsu now. And just went into the jujitsu that I knew, the grappling that I know. And he was going down, went down with him, held on to the arm, got it into sort of a half-ass kind of lock. Uh, and side control and then full mount on him. And he tries to buck me. He tries to buck me. It's no good. I got my hand around his throat finally, locking his arm. I'm pushing his one that arm into his shoulder so as to sort of push him on his other side, because I've got one hand around his throat, one hand in this half-ass lock. He still has a limb free, which he tries using earlier on. He's trying to move. He's trying to buck me off of him. But then he just kind of resigns himself, which is the hindsight of he broke his hand. That he had basically, this is why people, why boxers wear gloves in a match and why there are weight categories. You can't go full power and hit someone in the head. You just risk too it's too big of a risk. You will break your hand probably. So I'm on top of him. Now, up until this point, like I said, self-defense fails. There are a bunch of like, again, why did I throw away the weapon? This guy kind of, but martial arts success. I use my skill. This guy is down. He is neutralized. He has been subdued. From the moment he punched me up until I got him down, none of that was scary. Weirdly enough, I'm not bragging about that. I'm just saying literally my reaction was, this is what we're doing. That's it. I didn't have any butterflies. It was just like, okay. But ladies and gentlemen who are listening to this right now, I had to hold that guy down for 15 minutes at least. 12 to 15 minutes. I screamed, somebody help, call the cops. Somebody call the cops. Somebody call the cops. A train was coming into the station when this started and a train left. Two more trains came and went. No one who heard my cries, no operator on the trains, no MTA employees, nobody went and got the cops or the police. And there was no police presence, which is surprising again for Barclays Center, a large hub of the city in a large tourist area. It got scary when you get to the six minute mark, you're screaming for help and nobody's coming. There's no police. Now, I have done the cops jobs for them. A man attacked me and I subdued him. He was done. All he needed to be was cuffed and taken away. But now I've got choices to make. I don't know what to do in this situation where this guy is down. 
No one is coming to help me. And I don't know if if I let him up, is the fight going to start again? I've had some friends, martial arts friends that I told the story to where they were like, I ah, should put him in a sleep road, just put a sleep road. Now, those guys that I talked to are much better than me. And yes, I think they could, they may have been able to do exactly what they said. Get this guy from the position I was in into a rear naked and just like nighty night. But I didn't want to start up the fight again. I didn't think I was that good. But as time goes on, you have to start asking, well, what is the solution here? And I'm sorry to say, yes, I'm not that good of a person. Murder was an option. And I'm sorry, but that's not something I should have to deal with. Anyone should have to deal with on their way to work. Do I have to potentially kill this person? Because they decided to be an asshole. Well, I mean, it's, it's, look, Asian crimes, by the way, 93% increase since uh, that's of the statistics in May of for um, subway yeah. crimes, 93%, right? That is not happening. Again, I'll get into again, why. because we're, we're in the big city and you know, we're going through some weird transition. Like we're I'll, having the show I'm, I'm gonna in the get midst, into that in the midst of a mayor. mayor I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to get into that. Ed. So eventually I do have to let the guy go. And the only reason I did that is because this one older gentleman came beside me and was checking stuff out. And I felt a little bit confident let him up. I have to wait on that platform for the next train to come in with that guy who attacked me and just go to work because no police officers ever showed up. I did my shift. I was only 15 minutes late. <laughs> got out, went back to Barclays Center, talked to a station agent who then got the transit police involved, made my statement to the transit police, then went to the detectives in Coney Island, and then they drove me home. Now, like I said, I do not feel the city was this way during lockdown, and it has only been a recent since the beginning of the opening, since vaccinations have become widespread and more people are out, more businesses are open, there's more traffic, there's more everything. The city is very close to 100% at this point. But I am sorry, no, this crime spike is very much in the hands of the police who are making a choice for political reasons to not respond aggressively to crime. And that is a very nice and measured way of saying that. And if you are of a position right now where you black back the cops regardless, I think you need to rethink that position because I had to deal with police a second time at my job this week as well, just two days ago. And I'm telling you right now, they are not, do, I've worked that job for 20 years. I've had to interact with the police on a number of times where, you know, I work as a concierge. It's a part overnight. That's partially a security type position. I've had had people removed. I've had to have worried about everything from graffiti to drunkards to people taking a crap in front of the door. And I've called the police for all of those things for 20 years. And never have I been given the answers that I was given just a couple of days ago by them of we can't do anything about this. That's not, oh, we're not allowed. Bah, 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 bah. That's not really a crime, which is silly. I'm sorry, their answers were unserious. And they're unserious because for political reasons, they are acting a certain way. And as Ed pointed out, yes, we're doing this in the middle of a mayoral election where crime is now a sort of a very All big topic. fever pitch high. Uh, there are many ways where this feels like from, from because remember, we, we're in just opening up, we still haven't healed all the wounds in the city from COVID and the riots last year. So you walk around and the streets look very 1977-ish. 
in a lot of places. And because the cops are enforcing a lot of rules, there's even more chaos. I mean, uh, anyone in Brooklyn right now will, will tell you, uh, do you have delivery guys in your neighborhood? Well, you would know it because they're driving their scooters all over the place on the sidewalks at full speed, nearly hitting people. Some people have actually been killed in the city already from collisions. This is all artificial. This is the same. We had the same amount of criminal and crime that we had before. Only now the the criminals know after quite a few months of this that the police aren't doing anything about Mm -hmm. it. And that is nothing but allowing sort of a environment of crime to fester. I don't care where you are on the political spectrum. If ultimately you come down to say, this is okay with me, it's okay what the cops are doing, then I can't take anything that you say seriously about any questions about governance. Our cops heroes, they have a very hard job. But ultimately they are public employees who are employed and given a lot of leeway. So maybe too much. And all some people in this country are asking for is accountability. And instead, what we're getting for is these blackmail tactics of we are not going to do our job unless we have ultimate immunity against just about anything, unless there is no accountability. And that's not cool, people. It's not cool. And anyone who's hearing this, this is probably not a New York City problem. This is probably a nationwide problem. And... We as a country have an, have an ability to put things down in the memory hole. And I'm sorry if the police are acting this way because of, again, last year. This is not something that's new. This is the reverberations of the protests and riots of last summer. If that's how they're going to act, then no. Then we have to have a serious thinking of what policing is in the United States of America going forward. And that's, in Forrest Gump terms, that's all I'm going to say about that. What's we're that? We're going to shift the gears. From, what's that John Ritter movie? <laughs> uh, Hero at Large. Hero at Large. <laughs> is it Captain Ladies Avenger? Ladies and gentlemen, Miguel Velez is Captain Avenger. Is Captain Avenger. <laughs> uh, that's all I'm going to say, say about that. Um, we're going to move into what the meat of the show is here today. And the meat of the show is going to, we're going to cover a little bit of the news, just a couple items. And then we're going to talk about the Disney Plus uh, Loki program from Marvel Studios, which is three episodes deep at this point. Me and Ed have seen all three. John has only seen the first episode, but it's good stuff. So we will be talking about that right after we get back to by some words from friends. Can we get, uh, can we get fuck the police? <laughs> for- <laughs> Hello out there, everyone. My name is Miguel Alejandro Velez. And Edward Ng here. And we are the hosts of To Be Continued, a fanboy podcast. As anyone knows, we are based out of the Park Slope Brooklyn Pancake Studios, providing to us by one Jonathan Vergara. Ed, what can they expect to get out of Pancake Studios? And here at Pancake Studios, covering your audio recording, production, mixing, and mastering needs. And Jonathan is a complete wizard when it comes to these things. Uh, we Coming this month, it would be our third year anniversary. And uh, he's made a home for us here and continues to produce quality. Look no further. Pancake Studios. Go to www.pancakestudios.net. <sighs> oh, what's the matter, Miguel? Uh, I feel fat, Ed. I feel the same way, too. Oh, you too, John? Yeah. You guys, you both you guys need to get in shape. And a way to go about this is by going with JP Total Fitness. JP Total Fitness? 
What's that? Um, our pal Jonathan Padilla, friend of the show, runs a Brooklyn-based personal training and remote coaching service committed to leading you becoming stronger and faster. Go to jptotalfitness.com. All right. And the three. <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> All the the events and the the events and the comments and the opinions are do not reflect a TBC to be to be uh, to be continued fanboy po- uh, fanboy podcast. Ed, what I'm saying is is that the Green New Deal is the way to go. The green, <laughs> the new, the green green New Deal. Exactly. The We're new gonna, Green see, but Deal. See, but see, my but see, my Green Deal is all based on kryptonite. <laughs> oh, oh welcome- don't get me started. Oh, the Suicide Squad trailer came out. <laughs> if you, ladies and gentlemen, uh, it came out. And again, like I, you, Miguel and I, we don't really have uh, Speak for that much of that much of a passion with the Suicide Suicide Squad Whoa. movie, the first one. Yeah, I, I, I said it was. It's a you know, it's a, and, it's a mess. It's and they, an they mess, uh, but the it, new one comes out directed by James Gunn, uh, and I don't even I forget the name of Idris Elba's uh, character. Uh, is he supposed to be Bloodsport? Bloodsport. Which is odd because he's a Superman character, and well, here they reveal he's scrubbing, you know, the the you know, like the jail floors, and and they sort of say, well, you've been put in, the, you've been put in here before for putting Superman in the ICU because you put a kryptonite bullet in him, so you're going to open him up with that, you know, and that opened up a whole bunch of um, yeah, uh, which you know, that's like, cool. I mean, you were talking, we were just talking about how. You're saying, where are they going to go with Cavill? They're still talking about Superman in their movies, apparently. So, you know, um, Let's hope. my whole thing about that is this, okay? Um, I don't have high hopes in terms of, like, it being a, a super great. I think it'll probably be very entertaining. I think I think this will very much be James Gunn's id just vomited out mm. because of the circumstances of how he got the gut job in the first place. Right. Um, and I want to. I you look. I like Suicide Squad as a concept. I'm not crazy about. It the, was fun to watch. But I, I, aside know, from that, I it's like, like the Suicide Squad from the comics. I'm not crazy about Harley Quinn though. Um, I will say that <laughs> it, it it is interesting that to me the most in your face aspect of this is how much they're pushing it. Like they have multiple because commercials the first for it one all over clo- on YouTube. Uh, I God, did the first one make like close to a billion? It may, it may, it may. I want to uh, say the first did, one made close well. between 700, 800 million. Uh, it definitely, uh, you know, it justifies its existence. Let's put it that way. It justifies having a sequel. It justifies, you know, continuing that brand. Seven hundred forty-six point eight million. Yeah, like I said, between seven and eight million. Which uh, is um, it, um, that, and you know, again, the the bean counters are like. Yeah, let's do more of these. Of course, yeah. Exactly. Uh, meanwhile, Snyderverse stuff, not so Yeah, that's much. a whole, well, uh, well the, as I said before, this is Snyderverse stuff, though. I mean, the first film has Batfleck in you his- You tell yourself that. <laughs> no, I mean, no, look, all of the other things that are coming, we had this discussion where it's like, okay, Wonder Woman 2, uh, Wonder Woman 3 is still coming down the pike, and that's based off of the Snyderverse. Uh, Aquaman 2, that's Snyderverse. We, we prefaced this squad. with a conversation this morning, and I said, here's your test. Here's your litmus test. If Amber Heard has red hair, <laughs> the then, it's, then it's not Snyderverse. Super red hair, yes. Super red hair. Yes, if, she, if she's just, you know, like a... It's the alternate universe. It's, yeah, it's you know. Five, one, if eight, she's seven, Zack Snyder, whatever <laughs> well, I mean, hair like color she has. You bring but up... But to your litmus test, if, if Superman has a mustache... 
Yeah. There you that, go. There you go. That's that really it's um, well, oh, actually, well, 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 Ed, uh, you know, one thing to add to that is the other part of this discussion. It's like, okay, we're going forward with Suicide Squad. Um, again, it's going to be very Harley Quinn-centric. Did you, did we're you getting- say, sorry to interrupt your thought, but did you say that it's going to show him shooting Superman? I don't know. But 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 basically, the Amanda is Waller is a, is a character. That's what lands him in jail. That's what lands him in jail. But do you think they're going to show that scene? Oh, dude, it would be interesting. That would be interesting. Who does he shoot? Yeah. Who does he shoot? You know. Now, here's the thing. Uh, by the way, this is where we're going to put the in the news intro. Ten 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 win. Right. listening to In the News on TBC, a fanboy podcast. So now we're officially in the news. Uh, I'm also going to dovetail into the fact that that we got the first Shazam sequel uh, image, right? Again, back to Shazam. Are they going to pull another one of these things? Is hey, we're going to bring Superman in, but we're not going to show, show his face. Show his face exactly. And of course, the Shazam sequel brings up uh, stuff about Black Adam. Again, all of this seems to be none of this is a break from the Snyder's verse. Actually, no, not really. It's not. It, it isn't actually. No matter how you wanted people want to justify it, the truth is is that all of this is still taking place very much within that continuity. Is it a murky continuity now because of? A few elements like the Snyder cut of Justice League. It's like, well, which ending? What happened? But look, everything is still, these characters, most of them are the ones that were cast by Snyder. They're still working off of that continuity. You know, the other, uh, we got pictures of Shazam, but we also got behind the scene pictures of the Flash student. Right. So we've got uh, Bat Keaton. Bat Keaton with with with. The best hairpiece I've seen in a long time. <laughs> I refuse. That is uh, that is not you don't Michael Keaton. Real hair. It looks it, pretty thin. It is pretty. No, no, but it is pretty much the exact same hairline and hair look he had in the '89 yes. Batman. And there is no way you're telling me he just dyed his hair gray. No, that's along with um, images from uh, of, uh, the, uh, a newcomer, first. Sasha Kelly. Uh, playing playing Super a version, Girl. Of, a Super version Girl, of Supergirl, which we don't know if that's a future right. version, a past version. It, there, I've heard some people say that it is a like from the time of the Legion mm-hmm. Super version of Supergirl, like a, I a don't descendant know. of Superman. But whatever the case is, like and it's the, and there's the Flash movie too. This is well, the that Flash is the movie. Flash. That's what we're talking about, right? Because they're 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 going into multiverse uh, territory, and they're just at this point, Warner Brothers DC Cinematic Universe is just regurgitating. Tons of stuff. Well, there's again, it's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of product out there. There's a lot of stuff that's coming down the pike. You know, we heard about a Doctor Fate movie that's got uh, uh, we've got uh, not Doctor Fate movie. We've got the Black Adam movie, which is going to have Doctor Fate. It's going to have, have Hawkman. You know, Aldous Hodge, Aldous been, Hodge. Is, is cast as Hawkman in that timeline. So it's like things are moving forward. As o- But as always, with the DC stuff, it's like things are moving forward, but we don't have a lot of details. <laughs> we don't have a lot of like, this is what the grand design, this is going to lead into this. this well, is the grand design is this. It's like, uh, we, we're n- the we grand can't, design we can't right calculate, now. <laughs> we can't make calculations in the, in, in the Kevin Feige type of fashion. So we're just going to do a bunch of stuff and see what makes money. I think the grand design right now is... A bunch of people who are like, I'm trying to keep my job through this sale. 
and merger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's what it is. Yeah. And when that is settled, somebody's going to come in and going to go like, look, there's still, there is still Marvel Universe money to be made out on the table. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do with our stable of characters that we've got? Um, because it doesn't look like we have a plan of how this is all supposed to fit together or work together. And the other point and of- I think somebody's going to, ha- they have to, but I also think someone will because there is Avengers level money. And that is the, the point of controversy with this because, hey, this stuff is going to be on HBO Max aside from the theatrical release. Same thing with, uh, with Black Widow. Uh, that's going to, uh, not only is going to be a theatrical release, but it's also going to be on Disney+. Plus. And here I am at home, and I just built myself in a COVID home theater. Uh, uh, and I go, do I want to go to Alpine, or do I want to have this awesome theater that I just built in my basement <laughs> and watch Black Widow for a third of the price? John, you've been there. Yeah, yeah. I've shown you my home theater. Oh, Tell me that's good. not sweet. You're, 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 you're <laughs> making and, on, and, and Ed built the home theater on the sixth day, and it was good. And it was good, you know. <laughs> and I'm very proud Ed, of it. Ed is making it sound like like Club Med or Atlantis <laughs> in the Bahamas. He's like, you've been there before, right, John? Sandals. <laughs> the service is fantastic in my place. It's absolutely funny, you know. You know, yeah. But um, you yeah, I, I agree. I agree that it, it's it's going to be like. What is going, you know, they've got to get their, their ducks in a row because so much is shifting underneath them. Mm. But we'll, we'll, we'll see how it is. Uh, what was the other thing we wanted to get to? Uh, Rick and Morty, Ned Beatty. Since we're in D.C., you want to talk about Ned Beatty? Okay, we'll do a, a short little like bit on Ned Beatty here. Very short. Because while he's a big fixture in um, oh, film in general... His connection to genre stuff is a little is a little more uh, tangential, but a lot of stuff. Ned Beatty, of course, character actor extraordinaire. He was in. He was. On are we 19- going to Abbas Ababa, Mister <laughs> Luthor? Are we going? <laughs> looks like sort of a Benus. Um, he was Otis in in Superman the movie from seventy eight seventy nine, but. Um, he had been in a, a billion things. Shout out to friend of the show, Matt Zulkowski. Of course, he was Bolander on Homicide, Life on the Street. Uh, he was the president's reporter friend in Captain America, uh, the direct-to-video version that came out in the 90s. But, of course, other things like Deliverance. Um, he was the character actor's character actor and had been floating around and done a lot of stuff, but... And had done his fair amount of uh, of of genre works. Now, I think Ed, you you your go to is always going to be Otis, right? Well, not really. Oh, okay. What's Deliverance, your- squeal like a pig. Oh, you know. Ugh. I mean, because and I and I I'm a latecomer to Deliverance. I didn't see that until post college, my post college years. And when I first saw that, uh, I had two things to say. Well, three things. Wow, look at the guns on Bert. Squ- Squeal like a pig, and uh, poor Ronnie Cox. <laughs> poor Ronnie Cox. <laughs> he just like you know the the river just took him away. <laughs> and John Voight, God damn you, John Voight. Well, you know, again, the good thing is, again, what you have to know is that uh, Ned Beatty's character recovered from that and went on to journalism school. And Ronnie Cox's character apparently was found downstream, none, none too aware. <laughs> 
and he used that. He went into Starfleet. Well, no, well, (laughs) he went into Starfleet. That was not, but that was before he got in on the ground floor of a little company called Omni Consumer Products. Okay. Oh, right, 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 right. Of course, of course. And then then Starfleet parlayed. Then Starfleet, which he then parlayed into a political career, which he then becomes president, (laughs) and then. It's because of his standing as president that they then give him the job of being the governor of Mars. Chillico! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, wow. See, the Ned Beatty tangent turned into a Ronnie Cox I know, Cox right? Tangent. An old Ronnie Cox thing, right? Um, but, you know, um, he, was, he was one of those character actors' actors, and, you know, you will recognize him. If you don't know the name, look it up. You'll go, oh, yeah, that guy, he was in everything. Well, you know, character actor extraordinaire, you know, mm-hmm. um... Nominated for an Academy Award, two Emmy Awards, MTV Award, best for Best Villain, a Golden Globe Award, and uh, a Drama Desk Award. So, I mean, the, the, I, yeah. I, again, one of the greatest character actors yeah. of all time. And, uh, you know, for guys of a certain age like us, just uh, one of those faces that you'll always see. I am remembering a movie he did with our boy Lee Van Cleef. Oh, God. If I'm remembering it correctly... <laughs> I, I might be wrong. I believe he did a, a film where it's like hard boy leave it. <laughs> it was never our boy. You know? It's your boy. <laughs> uh but yeah, he uh, it, uh bopping around and everything and certainly a deserving of anyone's time to know, you know, his contributions to a lot of great stuff. So, a moment of silence for Ned Beatty. And uh, r- what's the last thing we're going to wrap up there other than Ned Beatty? Oh, there's, there's, there's only one thing to talk about. Oh, Morty. right. Yes, that Rick and Morty came back. Then yes. we go into Loki. Then we'll talk about Loki. Speaking of gods of chaos. So the latest uh, Rick and Morty dropped. It was uh, free on YouTube the uh, last few days. Um, so they're starting up their new. This was, again, this is sort of a little <laughs> mini review. This was the show at its best. It was incredibly funny. It was... It and they were pretty all consistent. Sort of it's been, uh, I think, a little more, a little less than a year. Little, I'm sorry, a little bit more than a year since since season four, since season three ended. I'm sorry, four. Right, right. And then out of nowhere, I didn't know there was going to be a season five. And then it drops on YouTube. Uh, on YouTube, and I go, dude, you got We got to check this we gotta out. Check this out. Yeah, because um, so Ed tells me it was a nice, pleasant surprise. And so I'm watching it, and literally I couldn't get even through half of it without getting back to them. I'm like, okay, here's a joke from this episode that I've got to share. Um, and like, I the only thing I'm going to really say about it is that it was it's it's run it's the formula's there. It's run on all cylinders. It's still funny. It's still mm-hmm. everything that it's supposed to be. But me and Ed got into a whole thing because essentially the whole episode is basically. One is we learned that Rick has a. Prince Namor type arch nemesis named Mr. Nimbus. Mr. Nimbus, whom is some sort of like just pansexual douchebag, <laughs> whom Rick apparently takes very seriously as his enemy. Well, Morty, basically, basically Morty, Rick and Morty, they start off like most any episode. They're in the middle they're of an in adventure, the middle of something, and then they they land. They they're like they're gonna crash into. They Earth. crash into the ocean, and the crashing into the ocean is the breaking of the treaty mm-hmm. that Rick had with Mr. Nimbus. Morty with was the added, with the added thing of 
Morty was ready to die. He was ready to die, and he gets a call from, from, Jessica, from Jessica. And it's like, hey, maybe we should go hang out sometime. And that gives him the strength to, like, no, <laughs> I'm not just going to let it all f- die in a fiery, uh, you know, hellscape. Now, the, then the rest of the episode is basically they're having a treaty meeting with this Mr. Nimbus, Rick and, Rick and Mr. Nimbus. And because Mr. Nimbus is a drunk or, or really likes his good old wine, they do a whole like a, time portal, a portal thing where into... this other place where time passes differently and it all sets off. Like we're just giving away the right, whole episode, right, right. but it's 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 really well. However, in terms of that, here's the thing: I think that Dan Harmon is doing a whole thing where he's definitely taken a lot of people's criticisms of Rick as a character to heart, and he's doing stuff where Rick gets more comeuppances than he used to. However, I think that that is his sop of being like. You see, oh, yeah, I don't agree with Rick, or Rick isn't always right, but Rick's philosophy is still, like, the evident thing in the show. Like, this episode is basically comes down to Morty should have been more of a dickhead to people, and he's kind of justified in, in being a dickhead. It's like, well, if he had been, he would have been able to have more time with Jessica, and therefore, like, again, it was kind of like saying, like, if you're not selfish, if you're not a prick to people, life's going to run you over. And that's always been problematic with the Rick and Morty show as kind of like, again, I love it. I think it's great, but I'm not one of these people that like, oh, Rick is right. Rick is a good, Rick is a good role model. Rick, Rick is the hard man telling hard truths. I hate people like that because most of the time they don't. But it's, it's kind of balanced out with, uh here we go. I got to clean up the mess that you that you made, Morty. What, what? You made this mess. Well, again, the whole thing about <laughs> it is, is like it's like Rick, like everyone on the show in this episode, John, right, is kind of like, is this Mr. Nimbus? It's Rick Sark Nimbus, and they're like, he's never said anything about about like, a nemesis ha- named Mr. Nimbus. So if he's never told us anything, how is how is Morty at fault? For saving their lives and landing in the ocean is like it's like uh, we we made it. Wick, it was like oh wait wait where are we? Was it was this the ocean? Oh, yeah 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 effed up Morty you landed. Okay, so it's like he was just trying to save their lives. So my 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 takeaway is that um, because there's this portal that takes you into this universe, John. There's this universe that where these dog like creatures they live like anyone else, right? Time passes every time you pass through the portal. When you pass, when you pass it, maybe like I don't know, several decades go by, right? And they age, right? So, uh, Rick takes wine, puts it in into this world so that it ages faster. So you know, you, so like you come out of a couple of and you can just grab it, and it's already, it's already aged, right? Yeah. And it's wine. But does his hand like crumble? No, not at all. No, it doesn't affect them. It only when you travel through the portal, you're traveling like again. You bring up so, but when right. you pass through the other side, when you go back again. Much more time will have passed. So, so the effect is this. Trip, right? So the effect is this, right? <laughs> we're just you're just telling the episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Morty. Morty goes in, um, leaves the wine. Leaves the wine. When he goes back to get he, it, there's like this. There's, these, this farm is now where they left the wine. Right. And this guy's like, "Oh, hey, hey there, stranger. I'm just a nice guy. <laughs> well, I'm going to help you bring this wine through this portal. Okay, well." And then he has like a 10 second like conversation with Morty. <laughs> But when he steps back, Morty never said anything, and he didn't think about how this would affect this guy. And he comes back, and his wife is dead. The, the baby that he was about to have has been born, and now the child has grown up thinking that the father left them. And he's like, I, I promise that if you ever returned. So, so basically, there's this lore 
of the guy from 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 the portal. That this little boy this keeps little coming boy back keeps every coming few, back. maybe hundreds or thousands right. of years, and fuck stuff up. And they've he's the demon of their culture. Society the evolves. Their, Society evolves from like medieval event. medieval age, right? Where they're waiting for this portal. And by the way, it's not just medieval age. There's there's magic, technology. It's involved. a whole and it's all about because. Morty went back and got this wine. Morty just wants. Morty's just being told. And Morty just wants the wine, and he wants a bottle of wine for himself and Jessica, so they're gonna. <laughs> and then Jessica gets. It's a whole thing. I, again, it's as good as it ever was. Now, I, a couple of things I want to point out about the episode. Okay. One is Rick is a self-aware character, and Mr. Nimbus is this character. He says, I mean, "We've never talked about Mr. Nimbus," and I'm suddenly like, "You've got an arch nemesis named Mr. Nimbus," and Mr. Nimbus lets loose some stuff about like. Like that, him and Rick have a relationship, as in a long-standing relationship. Like again, like no, yeah, we battled each other many, many thousands of times <laughs> in the past. Blah 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 blah, and to the point where it's kind of like, are they friends or are they enemies? We don't really know. And then Mr. Nemus lets loose with some facts about Rick's backstory, and Rick says, "Whoa, don't you go establishing canonical backstory on me, right?" <laughs> but in saying the stuff that he said, you're like. Oh, no, Rick just basically said whatever you're going to get from what Mr. Nimbus said is probably true, which I thought was very interesting. And it was like he says, oh, if only Diane could see you now. And he's like, don't you go doing that. Don't you go establishing <laughs> canonical backstory with me, pal. And it's like, OK, established whoever Rick's true love was. Or maybe wife. Name, maybe wife, wife from that episode. Her name was Diane. Yeah. And again, that connects to what we saw in a previous episode, which we don't know is true. Yeah, they are, it's a dangling carrot, Miguel. It's Come a, on. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're, going, you're, you're the one who's going, Miguel. You're the one who was always complaining and saying, why are they giving you information? Now, if back, back to my takeaway and the ultimate punchline, in my opinion. Okay, John, I'm going to explain this to you. Oh, God. So, Rick, go, this is, uh, Morty goes back one more time, right? Prior to that, there's this, basically the society of these dog creatures They've established that there's this one kind of Darth Vader-esque type of guy oh, who's... No, who's, let me explain. Let what? me explain, Ed. It basically is a Game of Thrones situation where now this entire fortress has been built around the spot where Morty comes in. And as time has gone on, the people of this place are like, why are we putting all of these resources into this thing that we only think is a legend that never happened? So there's like internal strife. This one king has a son who says, I don't believe in what you believe, old man. There's, this thing is not true. And then the Darth Vader-esque like evil mage like, is, like, is like, yes, some people, you know, the unbelievers are the ones who can see the truth. They go through this whole thing where apparently he's trained for decades by the Darth Vader guy, <laughs> overthrows his father, kills the father, is like, you were a fool, old man. Who's the fool now? And really? then, I didn't, I didn't, the Darth Morty, Vader guy. Morty appears, and he's like, oh my God, you're real. <laughs> <laughs> that crazy. See, because again, the prince kills I was wrong the, about everything. The prince kills the king, right? And then he goes into a monologue of, I was born in the cap, you know, in the shadow of this fortress. I, you know, all my people were killed to make their bones have been built upon. So it's like, okay, because he kills the prince afterwards, and he starts monologuing, and it's like, what, what, shit, you're real? Oh my god, I was wrong about everything. <laughs> <laughs> you know, again, this is standard. This is Rick and Morty playing so loose with these these sci-fi genre concepts. these ideas. But it does show you, like, you know, how. 
faith is treated. You know, if you believe in something and you're willing to like, you know, rule with an iron fist and you're willing to murder, pillage and whatever and do all <laughs> sorts of bad, bad things to get it done. And then all it just takes is for like a flip of a coin. It's like, oh, my God, I'm wrong about everything. <laughs> I'm, I'm wrong. You know, like, <laughs> well, I mean, you know, that's the, the, that's the great like, you know, this dovetails into a lot of stuff. Speaking of um, isn't one of the guys behind Loki. A former Rick and Morty guy? I don't know. Oh, all right. <laughs> you look it up uh, because we're going to talk about look, it. Look it up, dude. Oh but uh, yeah, it was a it, great episode. Um, looking forward to it. Can't you know? Can't wait for new ones, especially since it was such a nice surprise to have. Uh, and we will surprise people even more when we come back after these words from friends, and we will be talking about the first three episodes of Marvel Studios Disney Plus's uh, Loki. In the Kitchen with Roro, R-O-R-O. If you're looking for bite-sized bits of yumminess and need to satisfy that sweet tooth, then check out In the Kitchen with Roro on Instagram. Each item especially made by our personal friend Rosie here in Brooklyn. Also coming to YouTube, that's In the Kitchen with Roro. We had our bathroom basement done. Anna Maria Stanimir Gromo, a friend of the podcast, who lives out in France, she consults and she says, hey, let me design your your basement bathroom. And that's exactly what she did. She did everything um, via email, via FaceTime. Did the renderings and everything, right? Renderings and everything, completely beautiful. I took the renderings and uh, hired a contractor and they are currently putting, the, as we're speaking, putting the finishing touches on my basement. And it looks fantastic. It looks great. Servicing clients, domestic international, a master's here to help you through your different phases to transform your space into a reflection of you. Go to masterdesign.com. That is a master spelled A-M-A-S-T-A design. I love our logo. No, really. I love our logo. The To Be Continued Fanboy Podcast logo was provided to us by friend of the show, Matt Silkowski, who also runs msd studios and what does matt do at msd studios he provides positive reinforcement for your brand located in philadelphia matt has worked with clients of all sizes and has helped them to focus on designs for campaigns rebrands and new brands get in touch for your next project msd studios that's msdstudios.com Back from Words from Friends, and now we're going to get into uh, our uh, review of the first three episodes Glorious of Marvel purpose. Disney Plus's Loki. Um, now, this is uh, part of the whole Disney Plus range of uh, shows they're doing based off of the Marvel characters and the Marvel movies. Uh, the first of which was WandaVision, and then they did uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier, and now they're dropping uh, Loki on us. Created by Michael Waldron of Rick and Morty. Uh, yes, of uh, uh, work, uh, someone who... Uh, and for a character... Which makes sense now. It, it very much uh, makes sense. Yeah, Everything yeah, about it does make a lot of sense. Right. And it, of course, is the wild, you know, Mobius loop, which will explain why that makes sense. And the Whovian nature of the show. In that Rick and Morty is something that is very inspired by yeah. Marvel Comics concepts... You know, you know, Council of Ricks, multi-dimensions, on and on and on. But a chicken and the egg. 
So um, this is a sh- this is a show that is very interesting in that it picks off with this character that everyone assumes is dead in the Marvel Universe movies because he died at the hands of Thanos. Well, that and was version, one of just the, that version, not the one that picks up the Well, the that's Tesseract. the thing. He's a, it, it, This is sort of picking up the idea that there were these quote-unquote irreversible deaths mm-hmm. in Endgame and, and, and Infinity War, right? And yet, here it is, Loki is still running around because we have a time variant uh, because of the time travel shenanigans that happened in Endgame when the Avengers were looking to get alternate versions of the stones to use them. The Infinity Stones against Thanos. So this is the this is the Loki who, at the end of the first Avengers film, uh, jets out of there with the Tesseract, and we find out what happened to that version of Loki after this. And it includes a whole bunch of stuff that and, you know, a lot of comic book stuff, the Time Variance Authority, a lot of time travel stuff, uh, uh, and it's and also uh, um, a very interesting cast from. Uh, Mr. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Who is plays Mobius M. Mobius, an agent of the Time Variance Authority. Um, I forget, I, how do you pronounce her name? Gugu Mabathra. Um, who, I last saw her in, in uh, um, Beauty and the Beast, um, uh, but she's just, she's a beautiful actress. And she's playing a character whose name might be of significance because she is the, one of the judges of the TVA, the Time Variance Authority, like I said, a concept from the comics, named Ravona Renslayer. And Ravona is Kang the Conqueror's sweetheart. So Easter egg there, who knows? Hey man, how can you not have Kang yeah. like down the line? Yeah, with time all that's but with all this time travel and multi, you know, timeline shenanigans. And uh, the show basically picks off, you know, the, the, the essence of the idea is Loki got picked up by this group called the Time Variance Authority, who is some sort of grand power in the cosmic reaches of the Marvel Universe that serve some group called the Timekeepers, these three beings who claim that they know the proper flow of events in time and they prune off all of the uh, all of the time variations that they don't like, the timelines that they just are like, no, 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 this is not supposed to be, it's all supposed to be one unified timeline, which goes against what they said is how time travel operated in Endgame, or at least it says that those things don't come to be because the Time Variance Authority is there to not allow them to happen. Now, I don't know how much of that is true, given that we're three episodes in, mm-hmm. and the idea that there aren't multiple timelines or there isn't a multiverse doesn't make sense. And I, if the, and if that is the case, someone really better tell the makers of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness and the Spider-Man sequel that's going to come out that's going to feature Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield as multidimensional Spider-Man. Well, you know, I've, um, in the three, this is week three, in the three weeks that have passed, I saw one um, Instagram post making this theory that, hey, this, what occurs in the, the Time Variance Authority takes place in the multiverse. In, in, I'm sorry, in the, uh, the quantum realm. Right, and that maybe it's uh, Kang that's sort of pulling the strings in the background, right? Because time mo- they say time moves very differently in the TVA, you know. Um, so that makes it kind of think like, well, you know, does how does it affect everything else? Well, and it's certainly from the beginning the setup as you know Loki's whole thing is he's he's incredulous mm-hmm. that. This is the underlying nature of the universe. He's yeah, like, there can't right. just be three. Oh, that's such a great scene. That can't just be three space lizards that decide 
whether or not a timeline, blah, blah, if all this is possible. The philosophy banter is just some of the... I'm going to get into why I think that that is going to be a huge theme of the show. Um, But yeah, it's Tom Hiddleston starring. He's got more or less, at least for the first two episodes, Mm. he was non-existent in the third episode. He's got Owen Wilson sort of tagging along. And Mm. it's time travel shenanigans. It's Loki's been brought into the Time Variance Authority and... Owen Wilson is an agent who is working on another case for the Time Variance Authority, and he thinks Loki might be the key because the enemy, as they reveal eventually, that they are tracking that is uh, bedeviling the Time Variance Authority and may be a threat to all of their space-time you know, power, is a Loki variant, her, um, we find out eventually, herself, that this is a female variant of Loki who is has some sort of plan. That's the basic setup. And I got to say, three episodes in, it's really holding my attention. It's really engaging. Um, All the performances are really good. Tom Hiddleston is proving once again that he is up there with that first phase of Marvel actors being who were cast where it's like, I can't think of anyone more perfect for this role for what they're doing. He is he is the equal of Evans or RDJ Mm -hmm. or Hemsworth in that this the perfect guy for this part. And think about how long he's been doing it now. You know what I mean? The first Thor film was 2010? Yeah. I mean, he's so- a, Well, he's a phase one character, and phase one characters are hard to come by these days, right? <laughs> yeah, and, and a popular one, a one yeah. that people, fans, really like, so it's understandable why they gave him this show. And uh, like I said, so far, it's being very engaging. This could have a lot of implications for other things. Like I said, uh, you know, it, is there, is the nurse not a multiverse? Did, for those of you who want to make a, you know, a big stink about it, did Steve Rogers actually go back in time or did he create a variant? Or, uh, we may uh, get the answer down the line. We may get an answer down I, the line. I don't know how many episodes. And wait, wait. We're and one other answer we got. Suddenly out of nowhere, third episode. Hey, guess what? Loki. He likes guys. He likes guys pansexual. Too. He's well, some sort of pansexual, yeah. you know, sex. He can, he, well, he can like anything. That's that's a whole point. I heard yeah. online that he was actually trans. There, uh, you're not wrong, actually, because here's the thing. Technically speaking, even mythological Loki once became a female horse, mm-hmm. and then brought children to term. <laughs> <laughs> so, like them doing this with Loki, Marvel version it's, it's of Loki, it's, it's like yeah, that's the, not out of the realm of the possibilities for this character, nice. and brings up. And brings up the reality of questions of like, if you have, if you have people living in a world where physical transformation isn't just an idea, it's a reality for them. And then you start asking questions about sexuality and gender and stuff like that. So, well, what does that really mean? Here, it seemed to, in my opinion, just seemed to be Loki is asked, you know, sort of like, you know, it's like, well, do you have anyone? He asks one if she has anyone in her life, this alternate version of him. And she sort of returns the question and she like, says, what, no, no, you were a prince of Asgard. Well, I guess there must have been, you know. The princess. Good princesses. And then she says, or maybe or other princes. Or maybe other princes. And, and he was silent. I, no, no he, 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 his, he, he more or less says yes. He, was he like, basically nah, he, says yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. And it's kind of like, okay, Loki's out there. He's, he's down with the squirrel, whatever that means. Well, look, look. If, <laughs> whatever that means. Well, look, here, here's the thing. Um, he's asked, well, you know, well. Don't you have candy in Asgard? It's like nuts and grapes. Well, grapes t- turn into wine. You drink a lot of wine. <laughs> you know, it can be like a um, like a, like a social a, lubricant, a, 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 kind of like a, a festival of Bacchus. 
You know, and where you know stuff happens. Stuff man. happens you, you, you all the time. You transform into a six-legged horse, and uh, <laughs> things just take off from there, man. All now, right, just, now, you know, now here's the thing: um, actual three episodes mythology. in the first episode already, um, uh, uh, they made comparisons right off the bat to Doctor Who. I I have to confess, you didn't. See I it didn't in the first see episode? it in the beginning because it's hard for me to to think of Loki. Uh, as a doc, as a kind of a Whovian type of character. Again, this is Marvel. I have a completely different like yeah, um, category set of standards and like expectations. Yeah, and expectations all the rest. to this. And then the third episode dropped this morning. You and I already saw it's it. The and biggest like, two of all. This is the most Doctor Who. If anything, one, even for a Doctor Who episode, it was one it, of the most Doctor Whovian things I've ever right, seen in my and, whole life. And might actually be a great like demo reel for Hillston in that role. Yeah. In many ways. I would say that the flavor of that first episode, the first two episodes, is, yes, easily could be Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. I, I, I called that myself. But I think more specifically, and what makes the third one more of the even deeper Who, is mm -hmm. that I would say the first two episodes of Loki were more very Douglas Adams. Not necessarily Doctor Who. But in that wheelhouse of like a hitchhiker's guide hitchhikers. to the galaxy mm -hmm. kind of thing. So yeah. we're making fun of, we're having cosmic level stuff, yeah. but we're doing also a joke on bureaucracy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know right, I mean? right, 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 right. Which is, right. A big oh, thing which is about right, the gags, Adams, yeah. You know? Um, it's like, uh, take a ticket, please. Take it, exactly. <laughs> sort of stuff, which brings up a whole bunch of like, there's it's parts like, of your me ticket? that. What, what, what do you mean? I don't, I'm the only one online. You and, know? And, you know, this is the sort of thing where I go, this is the most Legion, FX's Legion version of the Marvel character of all of the Marvel Disney Plus shows so Why far. Why do you now get into that? They're definitely going for something that is like, okay, we're this is Loki. This is not a laser guns, spaceship, big battles type character. Mm -hmm. So we've got to do something with a little more intellectual heft to it. And also, but then that means we kind of also want to be visually interesting. Mm -hmm. The hallmarks of what they were trying to, what not trying, what they did in Legion are there in Loki, in right. the color scheme, in how it's filmed. As in, a very interesting, yeah, the palettes. You yeah. Know, right. You know, that's a big part of yeah. the show. That said, it also, like, like we, it has this very Douglas Adams, Doctor Who vibe. Or another thing we talked about um, a few days ago, you and me, where I said, it feels very much like a UK Marvel comic book. And by that, I mean sort of the Marvel UK imprint or the books that they had. Or honestly, almost any foreign, uh, but especially those UK comics from the late 70s, early 80s to mid 80s, where you would read them and you would go, even some of them who took place in, say, a Marvel or DC Universe proper, those writers, those Alan Moores... Um, mm -hmm. Neil Gaiman and the Neil Gaimans and you know I had a handful of those guys it, this felt like that kind of story done in that kind of way which fits a character like Loki like you can't you can't do Loki I think in the way you would say do like I'm not even sure you could do Loki the way you did like that Doctor Strange movie mm -hmm. like it's just a slightly different flavor and especially with Hiddleston in the role uh, now the Big Doctor Who stuff in the third episode is, in many ways, this setup felt like a Moffat-era Doctor Who. The Doctor you and his companion are in some place, right. out of time. 
they have to hitch a ride on someplace or something. That someplace or something is, according to history, destined for destruction, destined for an ba 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 ba. And now the doctor and their companion must fight their way out of this moment in time because, of course, yeah, you can easily put Dave. Uh, oh yeah, this David is David Tennant. Tennant this is David Tennant yeah. era who. Big time. If anything, like as a gag, you should have put David Tennant in. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. You know, dressed up and looking like Tom. Like Hiddleston, if you wanted right. to be like again, if he hadn't was already cast as Purple Man, there's your like yeah. alternate. There would have been your variant. Yeah. Now, now here's the thing going into the series is, and I've said to you as I've always said about all things Asgardian. These are gods, right? These yeah, are people yeah. who deem themselves I'm not as gods. Get into that. You know, they're long-lived immortal cosmic beings <laughs> who some have superpowers. But and just, but okay, but that leads into this because in the TVA, there are uh, there are uh, uh, cosmic gems, you know, and and they they're deemed powerless here. It's like, oh yeah, we use, some of some of them use them as paperweights. You want one? <laughs> and they're just he opens a drawer and like, oh my god, they're cosmic gems. Like just littered all over in the Infinity Stones, right? Like, you know, like in, like in a drawer, like paper clips, like paper clips. In that same sense of when one when one paper clip falls out of the box, it's so unimportant. You just leave it in that drawer until there are three or four or five of them there, and you're just, they're all various styles. And they, one's and, red, one's blue, right. one's silver. And therefore, and no and therefore, it's like what what does it all mean? Like, and what does it mean in the grander scheme of the MCU? You know, especially if the MCU has been riddled with like all things of consequence there are a lot of people who has said occurred that. because of and who, who who had that like you said that there are all of this struggle for the gems and now you've sort of pulled back a, a veil and said they mean perhaps nothing. ultimately they don't mean anything which some people are taking offense at i don't think i don't know about that i like that approach because i don't think it matters that it's like oh you know because loki got into a mess of trouble over these gems at the same time, that is a thing, and I don't think that the Time Variance Authority has been set up as this absolute thing in my mind just yet. Mm. I personally think that with time travel shenanigans going on, I think this is a show you have to pay attention to. And I think that... Riddled with Easter eggs. All and, thematically, and thematically, this is what I wanted to get to before. Loki has his whole thing in that first episode where you saw John, where he talks about he does he redoes his speech from the first Avengers movie about freedom being life's great lie, yada 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 yada. Now he's come up to the reality that he wasn't just blowing smoke. He's in a situation now where, in fact, he was he was right. Reality is ruled over by three magic lizards who know <laughs> all of time. All of your choices are not your choices; they are decided at the dictates of these timekeepers, right? Loki is the quote-unquote god of mischief. He's the god of chaos. He's whatever. He can't abide by that. Ultimately, I think thematically what's going to happen is, is Loki is going to be involved in taking apart the entirety of the Time Variance Authority and the timekeepers to the point where it may even be retroactive where in a way it's already happened because of time travel and they're just not going to be aware of it. That It will be this thing where it's like either they get destroyed and that's it. Okay, everyone has free destiny again because Loki, the god of mischief, took it upon himself <clears throat> to give everyone free will again. Or it'll be a thing where it's like... Predestination, which is the... They, or or I, no, not the predestination, but it may be a thing where it's like, yeah, let the timekeepers think that they're in charge. 
Like they think that they're doing all this stuff to do. Yeah. They, never, they never were, they aren't now. We don't have to worry about them. They're not the power that we think they are. Something along those lines. Because thematically that makes sense. Because Loki is sort of like, well, what do I do with my life now? He's not going to be an agent of this group, like I said, who is all about no. like telling him what to do. That's ultimately also the villainous part of him. Because I don't think it's that Loki gives a crap about everyone else's free will. But he sure as hell cares about his freedom. But that is the... If that he's going to do something is because he chose to do it, not because some space god said, no, you're not allowed to go into that, into that door. Don't touch this button. And that, Loki's the guy that's going to touch the button. And that is the irony of the character, right? It's like, I am... Throw a little bit of chaos because that's what it's about. And yet, I'm the one who deems order. I know what you need, right? Uh, isn't this better? Going back to his famous speech in Avengers. Yeah. Isn't this better? This disorder, this chaos. Right. You need someone to really I, set things, I do think set that there, I do think that there is appealing. That's the other part of that's great about the show. And uh, to recommend Owen Wilson as part of it as Mo, Agent Mobius, the man who wants a jet ski. Um, <laughs> they're peeling the layers back on Loki <laughs> and like saying, why is he doing the way he does? Why is he reacted the way he has? I mean, they made a great point of being like, you know, you want us to feel sorry for this character, mm -hmm. but let's remember how ruthless he was right, in the yeah, first yeah, Avengers yeah. movie. How he killed and maimed and, you know, did all these bad things. And what, you want me to feel sorry for him? And I think that's good because they're not, I don't think they're playing it in a way where they totally want you to be completely like, oh, he's just a sweet puppy dog on the inside that needs it. Like, like no, he still is a backstabber. He still is a guy who has an this, an opportunist, inflamed ego, He's going to act in his own best interest and that, and that 90% is, of the time. And that is the point of the, of, of the mission, right, of Owen Wilson's mission. How do you take down the god of mischief, mischief but with his own medicine? You use the god of mis mischief to take down the god of mischief. Which is a big question in my mind about this because, all right, there's Loki. She's, this character is, for right now, three episodes, and we'll call, for better or worse, the antagonist, right? Yeah. And she is a version of Loki, this blonde-haired version of Loki, yeah. called Sylvia Laffey's daughter. Now, what's funny is, is they didn't really reveal as much about her in this last episode, which was basically very much a breather episode from the first two, where it's basically just Loki and her kind of getting to know each other on this planet that is doomed to get destroyed. This moon that's doomed to get destroyed or something. And he, we get into Loki. Like I said, we find out, hey, Loki will go with the guys when he wants. Um, his connection to his mother, he gone and on and on. She keeps all her cards really super close to the vest. So you don't know what her deal is. We know that she knew, she knew from the beginning that she was adopted. And whereas Loki was like, like wait, so you didn't know? And, you know, they get into the, the, some differences, but you don't really know much about her. I'm not even sure she is necessarily, like... That body might not be hers. She might have been born a male Mo Loki and, like, transformed herself. I have a question for you. Yeah. What's the Enchantress's real name? Do you know? Amora. Not Sylvie Lushton? That's a whole thing where Loki in the comics created. It's a, yeah, that, this whole idea that they're using this name, Sylvie, Laffy's daughter, is uh, part and parcel of, like, them pulling some elements from the books into this, but is so yeah. Many people said, "Is she a version of the Enchantress?" I don't know. <laughs> In all honesty, and the show so far, 
hasn't done that either. They haven't told us why she's up against the Time Variance Authority. Loki seems to be on some kind of mission to at least find out what the timekeepers are. Her, she seems to be involved in something else, and it doesn't even seem to be in... Is she involved? Did she seem interested in... Oh, she seems to be interested in... Yes, Loki basically says, oh, you are just going to go in there, destroy the Time Variance Authority, and then walk away. Yeah, that's her mission. And just walk away. He says, I would never do that. That's why I'm saying, no, that is what he's going to do. Loki is not looking this way. He's going to play up, and this is going to be his out of being like, oh, did you, you did this to be a good guy, and it's going to be, no, I did this for my own freedom. I don't give a crap that if in freeing everyone else from the tyranny of the timekeepers, if that a is a consequence, but I am not going to allow anyone to, do, to, to control me. He's going to do what she, he's going to complete her mission at some level. It's going to be like, she, you know, when he when he gets his meeting with those timekeepers or whatever it is, he's going to be like, I told that other, I told that other version of Loki, it, you were stupid to just g- come in here and you know burn it all down and then walk away. I would never do that. Can you? I was wrong. I will do that. Uh, in that index, in that brain of yours, can you index or find or f- like where Kang and Loki ha- um, have they Had ever any crossed sort paths? Of, ooh, I can't remember. I don't think that there's anything. Yeah, I'm right? not, you off know, the top of my head, nothing that really stands out. But the Kang thing, like I said, comes with the fact that we have this character, mm-hmm. Judge Renslayer, who her first name is Ravona. Ravona is always in the comics been yes. yeah. Kang's sweetheart, the woman that he's in love with, yada, yada, that he has at times left his, like, his authority to her, where it's been like, you know, whether he's been incapacitated or away, he's like, she's in charge of my time empire. Because that I mean, means a lot. Like, and Kang the Conqueror is a big Marvel comic, and that's character. what I'm saying. It's like you know, for the setup for Phase Four, right? Loki is Phase One villainy, mm-hmm. right? And has pretty much uh, stretched beyond the other, uh, um, you know, Thor, Avengers. You know, he's he's had his hand throughout uh, um, throughout the first three phases. So, how do you set up Phase Four? Like, what's your next step as as far as villainy goes? Well, there's Kang, there's Doom, and Fantastic Fours is right around a corner, mm-hmm. right? You know, so you you've got to follow up with something, and and uh, if now Ed, if multiverses and stuff like again, that might be where all of this is dovetailing. Why this Feige's ultimate plans? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they have talked about stuff like Secret Wars as being a possibility for the next big phase, right? And. I think that you and I, our mind always goes to 80 Secret Wars. We always mm. think where Spider-Man got Secret the black Wars. suit and Beyonder and all that stuff. But I think they may be talking about Secret Wars as the more recent Hickman version, which was all about multiverses and alternate timelines and yada, yada, yada. Now, if you're going to introduce Kang as an element of that and you're going to bring in Doom and so on and so forth, you need to set up in the audience's mind what all that means, Right. So what better way to do that than a show about Loki where he works at a place where there's going to be all these timeline differences, a movie called In the Multiverse of Madness, mm-hmm. where you have your godlike characters, characters like reality warpers like the Scarlet Witch and people who deal in that sort of stuff like Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. And then you have a Spider-Man movie where uh, the word around the campfire seems to be we're going to get Tobey Maguire as his version of Spidey, and we're going to get Andrew Garfield as his version of Spider-Man, meeting, meeting Tom Holland in his version of Spider-Man. Once again, multiverses. So, Which I don't think is going to happen, but that's just me. 
Eh, we'll see. I right. think it's a very good possibility. They want to do a live action Spider Verse. They want that. Yeah. So if they're going to do all that, then there's a possibility of needing to do something with the multiverses in a crossover storyline. Mm-hmm. And that Secret Wars from a few years ago by Hickman fits the bill. And this would end up being some of those if you're going to do some version of that. And yes, Kang would have to be a big part. Now, here's, now, the, here's now, the problem. Now, 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 now. Here's the problem. Kang is going to be in that in a, a Quantum Mania movie, Ant-Man. You and I, to you and I, Kang should be huge. He should be a gigantic character. Mm-hmm. But Ultron should have been a gigantic character yeah, too. That's true. That so, is true. So, like the idea that they're, oh, well, putting Kang we know. In, they're putting Kang in an Ant Man and Wasp movie makes me very worried that by the end of it, it'll be well that was taken care of, and they never think about it and again. Now you just said it. At the end of it, ha, uh, Hiddleston. I think after this, will he get a, se- a second season? We don't know. Uh, I don't know how fa- how far his contract extends, but he's been at this for a long time, right? And so, like, if they, if he, like, I don't know. I, I'm sure that all it takes is for someone to dangle a check in front of him and for him to go, I'm in, you know? Um, but how much longer, how much more mileage well, can you get with this gonna character? they're going to leave the character at the end of this season and a possible maybe if they do a second season. Right. But it's not just about... Hiddleston and Loki and the character, it's the whole, the way we see time and it's linear and, and, and it's linear momentum or, or and, and all, and the, the different multiverses here, you know, um, Ed, is it going to, is it going to just be like one big explosion and there's just going to be one crisis style, you know, type Ed, of ending Ed, of the two of us. I'm the one that smokes weed. <laughs> What is it you're going on about? <laughs> oh, you got to see, man. You got to see the universe for what it is, man. Well, guess what? Conan now smokes weed. Okay? Is- Conan O'Brien now smokes weed. So it's cool beans So it's cool beans. <laughs> um, look, um, I'm just going to say that I would, so far, the show is hitting it on all cylinders for me. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait to see. In, and in a way that is surprising in that I was always down for fun, fun Loki shenanigans, mm-hmm. right? You could have just done a light hearted show and probably would have been satisfying but Hiddleston is still knocking out of the part with the scenes and the best parts of the show are you're all about the buddy cops well the, they, <laughs> well okay this wow, last episode well, you know, the meat a lot of meat of it was 48 hours yeah, might as hey yeah, why not? yeah. <laughs> last 48 hours with Owen Wilson and Loki right you know <laughs> it's like wow you know it's like a, I guess we got another 48 hours to this wow can you? I don't know if I want to see Owen Wilson drop the N word. <laughs> or maybe I do. <laughs> maybe I do. I just don't know it. Maybe that's an idea of something I never thought I'd ever want to hear. But now I don't know. I, and I want to see him drop it really casually, like he likes to do. La- this 48 hours you. with Hiddleston. And wow, this is, you know what? There is no more show. We're gonna <laughs> everything we recorded here. It's just gonna delete. We're just gonna stop at. Hey, this is Hiddleston and Owen Wilson. Forty-eight hours. That's all it is. Ed, I think there's, there's no discussion. I think there's Jonathan just like Ed. I think there destroyed is enough appropriate. I think that there is enough appropriate footage. Did I throw the golden monkey ca- wrench? <laughs> this was the golden monkey wrench. There is enough footage the out there. Wrench. 
to put together a 48 hour style trailer with Wilson yeah, pretty much. and Hiddleston. You can use that footage when Loki was in jail yeah, yeah. from the Dark World. Yeah. <laughs> and so, you know, it's like, Roxanne, you don't have to <laughs> Now, what we don't have is Hiddleston getting punched in the face. And then, and then like Owen Wilson getting punched in the face. By the way, you and first thing you and I said was like, "What's going on with Owen Wilson's <laughs> nose?" You're right. Yes. Okay. What's going Side on with his nose? I'm sorry, but that is a question that everyone's been asking for like 20 years. No, what are you but about? You no, know, no, John. Here's the thing. Like, and this is where we're wrapping up. Not to hate on, you know. I feel no. Bad. I I, you know. I I think this is some of Wilson's best work he's done in a long time. He fits the character in a good way, but. Look, we all, we all, look, for me, for guys like me and Ed, we were- make fun of anyone's deformity. (laughs) For guys like me and Ed's age, we all remember, like, him from Bottle Rocket, you know, where he's, you know, he has his definite look, the nose was the nose even then, but he's this young, fresh-faced him and his brother, right? And we've seen them through the years. He's gotten older, there's no doubt. But my God, I don't know if it's the HD cameras, I don't know what it is, but that nose- it looks it's like a prosthetic, you know. It's it, like <laughs> it looks like like a CG rendering of like some kind of like body in space that's been pockmarked <laughs> with meteorite like impact craters and stuff. Like it has. Like he was a uh, former UFC fighter. It is know? like, and like I don't know what it's like. So I like almost the first feel episode, bad that we're getting like, into deformities, you know. <laughs> but it was. It was like the first couple episodes. You're going like. Man, is it me or is this like the nose is like lo- more large and in charge? He brought it. this up. We we were on the phone. He brought this up, and I'm like, dude, I had to pause <laughs> just to, to just to look at it because it's like, you know, it's his nose. No one, we love Owen, right? We right. Owen. Yeah, but, but it has this. I don't know if it's the age that the lines are you can't d- help deeper and stare. darker now. But it just it was like, uh, but he he's um he the best parts are him and Hilson just chewing the fat together and you know that is fits this character but is also somewhat surprising and in the way they're going because it's not just all banter Mm. it is that's good chemistry and and yeah great chemistry Hiddleston carries the show though you know what I mean like if you didn't have him I don't know if you would necessarily want to watch this around anyone else but then I don't know if anyone else doing Loki would have gotten the the show (laughs) you know Hiddleston about Hiddleston's performance right you know and this is what makes him really good Aside from, hey, from the time when he shows up at, at one of the cons as Loki and he's commanding the audience, right? To him, when, he, when, he's, when, he's, when they have the discussion about his mother and when he actually looks at the footage of, his, of, of Frigga dying, yeah. the vulnerability and the range that he shows, he's, just, he's completely fantastic. Well, he's, he's, he's a very wonderfully multifaceted character in the MCU, which mm-hmm. I'm sorry, I think has a lacking of a, a, a lot of characters with the depth Loki has. You mean Loki, the character? The char- Well, right. the character that, as Tom plays him, you yeah, know what yeah. I mean? Uh, you know, the MCU version. And he, you know, it's a, it's a great fit. The show is, I can't wait to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this much from the last episode. Again, no spoiler. We've been doing a lot of spoiler talks, but, you know, spoiler. Um, the way that third episode ends with them not accomplishing what they were seeking to do was sort of, it was Doctor Who, and then it turned it on its ear. Mm. And it was sort of, then it's when I realized that it, it is sort of Doctor Who turned on its ear all through it out. Mm. Because this is a character who is doing all this stuff, but he doesn't have the independence of Doctor Who. He's not in control of traveling through time. 
and he's not Doctor Who. He's not a <laughs> he's not a genuinely good being, the immortal being yeah. out to make. He says he's better smart. He's a low level god. Is what he, he's well, he says he's smart, but then it's like the device that was supposed to take him to where they need to take. It's out of power, and it's, oh yeah, it just got destroyed. I don't buy that for two seconds. <laughs> really? You don't? I don't, oh no, I don't buy that. Here's the thing, this is how much I'm getting into Loki's mind watching the show. I don't uh, buy. I okay, don't, I do all right. Buy, sleight of hands, sleight of hands. I do such. not buy that the thing is broken. I don't buy that their situation okay. is their situation. I think that one of two th possibilities. Possibility one is... He is doing to her what she did to the time agents. Mm. She told him just enough about how that enchantment works yeah. that he is now doing that. They are in a fantasia. He is creating because he wants to either find out information okay. or see how she Some reacts. Some more sleight of hand, Loki. Right. Not nonsense. Or but. she did something and is seeing how he is. Either way, I don't think that they are in as bad a situation yeah. as it seems at the end of that episode because I think... Well, it's that's the case, a, and then a, in that case, that confirms that she's not a Loki variant. She's the Enchantress, in fact. She it has could very to be, well be that know? they're, you know, or, or they maybe that this is how we're going to get mm -hmm. their version of the Enchantress, although they're blowing through all of the Thor stuff that makes yeah. all that interesting. But anyway. Anyway. Um, we're pleased. It's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's really good. It's a lot of fun. If you like Doctor Who, I would, I would totally suggest this show. To scratch that same and itch. If you like Rick and Morty, you'd like this show. I think if you like Rick and Morty, which shows with the, with again this um, showrunner, the, the, with the showrunner being someone from the Rick and Morty, it's touching on a lot of the same stuff and a lot of those same ideas and playing with it in the same way with like, I mean, John, what is the absurdity that the time keepers, the keepers of all time throughout all the universe? And it was explained in the silly <laughs> like infomercial cartoon, uh, and by, played by Tara Strong, Miss Minute, Miss uh, Minute, yeah, Miss Minute, played by Tara, Tara Strong, Strong, great, great uh, voiceover Harley actor. Uh, and it's like, okay, everything is in English. This all resembles a bureaucracy from the late 1970s yeah, and yeah. early 1980s. Ticket, ticket. Yeah, it's like okay, but um. That's what they're going for. It that Rick and Morty vibe fits a character like Loki and what you would want to do if you if you're not going to have Loki as a villain character in a story with a hero type characters to, you know, do stuff with. And it's going to be okay, Loki on his own, what does that mean? Then this is what you should do and I think I I'm, I'm I think this has already started stronger than the previous two shows. And hopefully it will end stronger because one of the, you know, the last thing we'll say about it is this. WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier were done with a lot of during COVID restrictions about stuff. And there are a lot of people that are saying that that's why those shows ended up the way they did. Yeah, but you know what? But this one, I, uh, it, so basically they had to shut down production and pick up in September. It was picked back up in September up to, I think it was, I think it finished production in, in December. So, um, so it was, yeah, it's the middle of the pandemic. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, well, whatever guess, the case but, is, there but, are three but, more but, episodes it's left. It's very late in it where things had already kind of settled in rather mm -hmm. than I think as d the disruptive yeah. like portion of it. Yeah. So I'm my, my point is I'm hoping that this sticks its landing very well, mm -hmm. that it's v v very consistent because, look, I hated WandaVision. Falcon and the Winter Soldier was everything around its main story was good, but its main story you didn't care. Mm -hmm. And th that's why it sort of is kind of like, eh, about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. 
this is so far three episodes in everything is like no I'm liking I'm seeing you know I want to see where this is going and you're humming on all cylinders so far in terms of entertaining and engaging me there's been no part like again as much as there's so much stuff I liked in Falcon and Winter Soldier but you know they kept having to return to that the Flag Smasher mm-hmm. storyline which you didn't care and it was like the main thing that our heroes were working on and you were like I don't I'm not engaged I don't care about this portion of the show. Here, everything so far has been, yeah, I'm down with it, okay, I'm, you know, gone to the next one, on to the next one. You got some mysteries, you got some ideas, you got some fun stuff. So, I'm all, I'm, I would, I would recommend it so far, three episodes in, no, no problem, easily. Three more to go. Three more to go. So, um, I think that that finishes up our episode here today. Uh, I want to thank anyone who indulged me to listening to my, uh, uh, death of society rant at the beginning of the show, but it was an actual thing that happened to me. Um, I'll be talking about it in some other platforms that I'm working on right now. Uh, as always, I want to thank uh, Jonathan Vergar for the use of Pancake Studios here in the heart of Brooklyn. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Uh, my co-pilot, Edward Ng, as always. Thank you. And until next time. To be continued. To be continued. I'm going to end with the Bill Murray. Are you ready for the summer? <laughs> hey, thanks for listening to To Be Continued, the Fanboy Podcast. Please check us out at www.tobecontinuedafanboypodcast.com. You can also be found on Twitter, Facebook, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify.